Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Well, last week we, I, I took kind of a different direction, and so I've been sitting on a sermon for a couple weeks, and I don't worry, I'm not shooting from the hip this week. So we are going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1. Would you turn in your Bibles there? We're going to start a study of the book of Peter coming together just, um, you know, a lot of times when it comes to Peter, everybody points out times of their life that, uh, or of his life, and, and they make him out to be the most rascally of all the apostles, but actually... His story's being told time and time again because actually he was the boldest one. And if you're going to be bold for the Lord, you're going to make mistakes. So I want to encourage you today, if you've made mistakes, at least you were trying something, trying to do something. And the apostle um, Peter was always trying to be um, or wanting to be or expressing a zeal for the Lord and all of that. So what we're going to look at today is what kind of man was Peter? But I really want to make it clear that I'm not diminishing him in any way. The Lord loved telling us about this man because I think we can all relate to him. And then that'll help explain just actually the first six verses. So let's read that. First Peter chapter 1, starting to read in verse 1, it says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amazing. It's amazing as a fisherman wrote that. That's what's amazing. That was the process of God in his life. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word, the word of God, a sharp two-edged sword. I thank you for the Holy Spirit who makes the word alive to our hearts. And I pray, God, you guide our thoughts today. Help us to focus, Lord God, on those things that you are bringing to our remembrance today. And I thank you, God, that you are present here for each one of us. Holy Spirit, you're always welcome here to have your way. Just come and fall upon our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, introduction to Peter. I'm just going to draw off a few things from his life and just do a little bit of a series this morning, a lot of scripture verses, but uh, it's going to start each one by saying you might be able to relate to Peter if, all right? So that's what we're going to do. You might be able to relate to Peter if. I think that one of the reasons why that we're given the story of Peter is because we can identify how often he was just human, just like we are. And so you might be able to relate to Peter if sometimes when you get up in the morning, you try to tell Jesus what he needs to do that day. All right? 
So if you look in your Bible to Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, it says, And early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and prayed there for a time. Simon and his companions eagerly searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go somewhere else, to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there. For this is why I came. And he went into their synagogues, preaching throughout Galilee and casting out demons. So I want us to just pause for just a moment here, because as we and I are wanting to live for the Lord, how many times do we get up and have a certain expectation of what God's going to do that day? And we have in our mind things clearly laid out about how God's going to operate. And sometimes we find out that in our zeal, in order to be able to live for the Lord, we place upon him expectations even in our prayers. So Peter it gets up in the morning, and they discover that Jesus had already left the house, and he's spending alone time with his father. And in that place, Peter's just saying, hey, Jesus, kind of like, what are you doing here? Don't you know how many people are looking for you? And then Jesus says, no, it's not going to be here. It's going to be over there. But what I love about Peter right here is that intimacy of relationship with him. Really, I wish that everybody would get up in the morning and tell Jesus what they hope he's going to do that day. Because you know why? We live in a world where a lot of people don't care about what he's going to do that day. And so I love the idea of partnership there, even though we get it wrong. So sometimes as you're wanting to live for the Lord, you play out in your mind how it's going to unfold. There are particular seasons in your life that you never know what's going to happen that day, what challenge you're going to face. But in all of that, it's just this beautiful idea of just stay connected to Jesus. I love the fact that Jesus didn't, you know, sometimes I feel like when I'm wanting to live for the Lord, he sometimes wants to, like, shoot a, an arrow at me or something to, because of my attitude or my heart. But I love the fact that Jesus just invited people, Peter into his life Peter engaged him in a very real and in a very genuine way. And I love the fact that Jesus worked together with him. So here's what I want to say. If you've ever had an expectation that you placed upon the Lord and it didn't happen that way, just love the fact that you have Jesus Christ in your life. It's really amazing. And that he works with us and he doesn't reject us. Another thing, we might be able to relate to Peter if... After you've argued with you, the Lord, you only find out that ultimately he always is right. <laughs> Have you ever had an argument with God? Have you ever had some big whys? Over the last couple years, there were a couple events where I was just like, God, why? I was really trusting you. Why did you let that happen? And you have that argument with God. But you want to know something? Sometimes I'm concerned that if you don't have the argument, you will walk away. There's a lot of people that walk away, but there's some people who really press into God. They, they, they really just say, God, I, I need some answers here. Now listen, it comes with the spiritual maturity of, I, I learned a long time ago, I can't make God talk to me when I want to. A lot of times when I fast, almost every time when I fast and pray, even if it's for a lengthy season, I don't hear from the Lord during the fast. It's after the fast that I might be just doing something really ridiculous, and suddenly the Lord just gives me a revelation. But the truth is this, is that learning to allow God to be right 
but also in the meantime, have that relationship and please have those discussions with them. If you don't talk it out with God, I'm telling you, the tendency is just to walk away and to not expect him to speak anymore. If he doesn't speak to you in the moment, I'm telling you, if your heart is sincere, uh, after a guy has lived for the Lord his whole life, he will talk, but he will be God. And he'll talk when he wants to talk. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, here's a, an example of that. It happened while the crowd was pressing around Jesus and listening to the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked them to put out a little distance from the land, and he sat down and continued teaching the crowds from the boat. Now, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who's Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon responded and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. And I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great quantity of fish and the nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats to the point that they were sinking. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish that they had taken, and likewise also that were with him, and then it lists the disciples. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't fear from now on. You will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. It's all right to say to Jesus when he says to you, I want you to go out to the deep and I want you to throw in your net. Wait, we've been fishing all night long, Lord. What are you doing? Have that conversation with him. Have that, can I say this, have that argument with him. But at the end of the day, always make him right. (laughs) At the end of the argument, just say, okay, Lord, according to your will, this is what I'm going to do. It takes a while to learn that if you're a new follower of Christ, just getting used to this idea. Um, And I think it comes through trial and error. It is a process of learning. If he asks you to do something, just do it. Have the conversation, but ultimately if you do it. When I have not obeyed the Lord. And sometimes the, the mandate comes quickly. But you see what happened. When Peter had his argument, but he says, but Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do. What was the end result? They caught so many fish, they had to get help bringing them into the boat. And if you and I can learn that talking it over with the Lord, but at the end of the day, let Jesus have the last word. And if you let him have the last word, that's where the blessing lies. So what else do we find out about Peter? You might be able to relate to Peter. If after you started out doing something for the Lord and you were strong in your faith walk, you suddenly panicked and you walked away and sank sank miserably. Why was the story given to us of Peter being called out to walk on the water? We realize that in Matthew chapter 14, listen as I read this, immediately after he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. 
but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are truly God's son. In two of these examples, we already found out that Peter found himself in a dilemma because Jesus wasn't near him, and Jesus had gone away to get instructions from the Father. And I love that idea right now is because here's the whole thing that you and I are aware of. Jesus Christ lives inside of us. He lives in us. And the beautiful thing about the relationship of Jesus is that though we aspire to what he has and it gets offered to us, he is connected to the Father in ways that in this life we're just probably not going to be able to experience, not in the same fullness. And so we found out that, Jesus, that Peter had to learn in a process here. Both times that it didn't work out very well for him is because Jesus was going alone with the Father and would spend time with the Father, but Peter didn't understand fully yet that that was Jesus' source of strength. That's where Jesus got his, his wisdom. That's why Jesus has the last word. He said to us that he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And Peter had to learn that. Jesus hung out with the Father. But I, what I love about Peter right here is that everybody just says, oh, look, Peter's the one who got his eyes off Jesus. Well, let's remember the fact that, Jesus, that Peter is the only one that got out of the boat. <laughs> and the truth is this, is that the Lord would say to us, you know, better off to have stepped out of the boat, get rebuked for your little faith, and to sink and have everybody watch than have never to have stepped out of the boat in the first place. And that's an important thing for us to be able to remember. You might be able to relate to Peter if you have stepped out in faith to do something and you completely sank. But I want you to know today that an odd twist on that, I commend you Amen. for having stepped out of a boat. So you might be able to relate to Peter if actually you found yourself sinking when you thought things were going to go better for you. You might be able to relate to Peter if you ever were confronted with an opportunity to not live like a Christian. And then you discovered that you have no, else, no other place to go. Part of Peter's process was to discover when other people left Jesus, and then he sat down and he thought for just a moment and he realized who he was and he realized the promise of Jesus to his life. When he realized that his option was to be a fisherman or to step out and be something different, something completely unique, someone connected to God the Father. How amazing is that? When you watch other people that might just wander away from the Lord and you meet him in a few years and you say, where's that person who worshiped the Lord that I saw in church with their hands lifted up? 
And sometimes you and I will look at the the walking away of other individuals, and we say to ourselves, oh, it's hurting my faith. But I'm telling you something, that can be turned around. If you'll stop for just a moment and ask yourself this question, but who would I be without Jesus? And the person who's been truly saved, truly knows, using truly a lot, what he would be without the Lord. Even though there are moments in their life when they waver in their faith, because sometimes the walking away of another individual will cause a person to pause for just a moment and say, is it real? Is it real? I want you to know today, do not be ashamed of yourself. If you've ever paused for just a moment, and I want you to know, the more you live for the Lord, those things will just, that thought will completely go away. It will. But part of the process of being the woman or the man that God wants you to be will be the process of watching dear people walk away from the faith, and you have to ask yourself your, uh, this question. Is that an option? What's the scripture verse that we're looking at? Many of the disciples, when they heard the statement that Jesus said, that you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, many of them walked away from Jesus at that point. When it got too hard to be a part of the faith community, followers of Jesus, a lot of people walked away. Many of the disciples, when they heard Jesus say, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they said, this statement's unpleasant, and who can listen to it? But Jesus, aware that his disciples were complaining about this, said to them, is this offensive to you? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits, provides no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are, they are life. So Jesus is just saying, I'm not talking about literally eating my flesh and blood. My words are spirit. This is a spiritual engagement with me. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he was saying, for this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples left and would no longer walk with him. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to leave also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. And we have already believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. And see this, it's just this beautiful thing. I, I want you to know something. Please, whatever you do, do not be ashamed of the fact ever that without Jesus, you'd be nothing. And especially when you're around self-made people who built their life out of their own arrogance and pride and yet cannot determine whether the next breath is given to them or not. And the truth of the matter is, is that it's no, I think that the more you walk with the Lord, the more you just say, man, I'm nothing without Jesus and I'm proud of it. You understand what I'm saying, right? You might be able to relate with Peter if you've ever realized that you should have listened more and talked less. 
In Matthew chapter 17, 1 through 9, it says, Jesus, six days later, took with him Peter and James and his John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter responded and said to Jesus, Lord, it is not good that we are here. If you want, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. I just want you to know you might be able to identify with Peter if you've ever said something really stupid. Trust me, I've, you know, been doing this like 30 years, right? Oh, if they ever wrote a book on the stupid things I've said, I could so easily disqualify myself. And you could disqualify me too. But the truth is this, is that when Peter was talking and just talking, 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 that the Lord just said, wait, Jesus is my beloved son. Listen to him. And I think one of the things that we, we've got to learn is that, you know, just about listening more and just talking less. You can't let the fact that you made, I, I guarantee you, every one of us in this room can look back in our life and we can say, I wish I had never said that. Or I wish I had never said it that way. Right? But you want to know something? It was part of Peter's apostolic development. And when you're, when you're walking with the Lord, you say a lot of stupid things. But as we grow in the Lord, let's just pray more and more that we would say less dumb things and more God things, right? And you know what? The Bible says in the book of James, be quick to hear and slow to speak. You've heard the old expression, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. And the thing is, is that we're thinking about this. I think that the older I get, the less I want to say. Because the less I say, the less I sin. It's just the truth. The less I say, the less I sin. So it includes every conversation, doesn't it? It includes the conversations even after we hang up the phone. What you say after you hang up. What you say when you're in a, you know, when you're in your own private home or talking to your spouse or whatever, even those kind of things. The less we say, the less we sin. You might be able to relate to Peter if your pride has ever gotten in your way. He poured water, it says, concerning Jesus into a basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel which he had tied around himself. And he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, you are washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not realize right now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet. Otherwise, he is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you not know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct, for so I am. So if I, the Lord and the Father, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. This is the example that I gave you. 
As I look at that passage right there, I realize, for a lot of it, man, a lot of our trouble just comes in that fact that we have a huge ego, just gigantic egos. And part of the process is coming to the point where we don't let our pride get in the way anymore of letting God work in our lives. And a lot of times, you know what? We're just too smart. We're just too confident. We're, we're, you know, we're just too intelligent to follow in that way. And really, that position of the huge I within our hearts is occupying a place in our hearts where only God belongs. And that Peter comes to Jesus in, in a very religious pride. Understand, it looked really good to all the other disciples. Jesus, you're not washing my feet. No, no, no. You're the great one. I'm, I'm the humble one. And actually, it needed to be flipped on his head. Jesus, that, that Peter was actually operating in a great pride in that moment. You're not washing my feet. Okay, then Jesus gives him an answer. And he says, okay, then wash my hands and my head. And Jesus said, if you've already had a bath, you don't need to do all that. When you come to communion here on a Sunday morning, it's not what saves you. Jesus has already washed you clean the moment you gave your heart to him. But you just come to the Lord. You receive communion. What do you do? You get your feet washed. You picked up a lot of stuff along the way. But the Lord is just saying to us, guard that whole um, religious mindset that really can masquerade as humility, but it's nothing more than pride. Just continually yielding ourselves to the Lord. The the Bible says this, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so the thing is, let's, let's all of us agree together as a community, especially as we're being challenged out there in the community, especially as you might find yourself at a school board event or, you know, um, in the newspaper or something. The Lord would just say to us, make sure that when you speak, you speak in humility. And you don't speak in the pride of the fact that we're Christians, we know Jesus, Jesus is our friend, Jesus is with us, the Lord would just say, you know what? You can relate to Peter if your ego has ever gotten away, but God wants it to die. You might be able to relate to Peter if you've ever spoken with bravado and then proved you cannot do anything without God. One time Peter, when Jesus challenged all of them that they, he would be denying the Lord Three times he said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Do you see where Peter was at in that moment? He still didn't know that he could still fail the Lord. Part of his process was never think that you can carry the day without God's help. Because Peter thought he could. You might be able to relate to Peter if you've ever... Um, ever really lost it with someone, and everyone was shocked that you, a Christian, would behave that way. Oh, my word. Can anybody relate to that? Peter was the one who cut off the ear of, of Malchus, the servant of the high priest, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. What happened in that moment was that Peter acted in such a way that he actually harmed the servant who was just there because his master was making him be there. Have we ever at a moment lost our cool and felt really regretful about it? And then the person says to us, I thought you were a Christian. Or even worse, I thought you were a pastor. <laughs> 
It can happen to all of us in a moment of pressure, in a moment of anxiety, and in a moment of fear. We can lose our cool. But I want to say something to you. Yes, we want to avoid that situation. But the truth is this. If that's part of your story, it was also part of Peter's story. He could look back upon that moment where even he felt a great rebuke that came to him, and yet he didn't let it disqualify him. You can, might be able to relate to Peter if you've ever believed God for something against all hope. Because Peter was the man who ran to the tomb on the first day of the week to hope against hope that the one that he saw die had risen from the dead. I want you to know today that sometimes we get into situations where it looks hopeless. But the Lord would just call us at that moment to run to the tomb. Run to the roar. Run to the problem. Run to the situation. How many times have we missed an opportunity that God has laid before us because we listened to the hopeless voice that was going on and banging around inside of our heads. But what I love about Peter is when you think about the fact that he had denied the Lord three times, he had shamed himself, he saw the rooster crow and Jesus turned and he looked at Peter like Peter, I told you, they all, Jesus heard the rooster crow when Peter heard it. And all Jesus had to do was look at him. But do you know that Peter never allowed what he thought permanently disqualified him to be a part of his faith? And at a moment where it got darkest and he realized, I abandoned the Lord when I shouldn't have, Peter still ran to the tomb in the hope of restoration. That's what you've got to do. You've got to understand when Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So that when you stumble and when you fail, you go back to him, not because your faith was determined by whether you choose him, but by the fact that he chose you. That's why you always run into hopeless situations. Because he chose you. And it's not because you're perfect, and it's not because you haven't failed, and it's not because you might say stupid things when you get up. Trust me, when, when I was being interviewed this week, I wasn't expecting the, the Aspen Times to show up in the foyer right there. And so it's the first time they've ever asked me for an interview, and I felt like I was bumbling my words as they were, I was talking to him. But you have to remember, Peter bumbled his words. He, he got outraged and cut a man's ear off, an innocent man's ear off. And yet at the same time, he could run, continue to run into situations that he thought, do I have the tools, do I have the equipment, do I have the, the, the ability to speak well or eloquently or anything like that? But what I love about Peter is that he never let himself disqualify him. And you know what? Here's the truth. Here's the truth. This is off the top of my head. 
The voices of other people around you that try to disqualify you are not nearly as powerful as any voice that's inside your own head that wants to try to disqualify you. And do you want to know what qualifies you? What qualifies you is that you were called by Jesus Christ. And that's it. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. He's called you. So wrapping this up with just a quick one, we realize that you might be able to relate to Peter if you've ever met the G Jesus after he rose from the dead. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you met Jesus after he rose from the dead. And the scriptures are very specifically to let us know that Jesus appeared to Simon Peter. And as you look at that, I want you to know that as you look at the book of 1 Peter, and you might say to yourself, could I ever to aspire to such a thing? What made Peter, Peter, is that he met the risen Jesus. And you too today can meet the risen Jesus. It changes everything. What's the one thing that qualified Peter? He had met Jesus. And then finally, Peter had to learn something that you might be able to relate to. That if you ever, if, if you ever in some horrible way, in some memorable way, some life-altering, psyche-marring situation happens that you created, If that's ever happened to you, I want you to know that the restoration of Jesus Christ is coming to you to be complete. And in John chapter 21, verse 15, Jesus is ministering to them. He's already risen from the dead. They ate breakfast together. Jesus goes to Simon Peter and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times, do you love me? And then why did he tell Peter after every time he asked him that question, I've got a life ahead of you. I've got a ministry for you. Why? Well, we already, you've already thought of it. He denied Jesus three times. And Jesus came back to him and asked him three questions in order to fully restore the damage of what Peter had done to his own soul. Man, that makes me want to cry right there. How many of us have done damage to our own soul? Right? But I want you to know something. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Do you know what's amazing about that? Is that when Jesus came to Peter and Peter had failed the Lord three times, he didn't just come to tell Peter three times, I love you. And that would have been awesome. Peter, you, you deny me three times. Peter, I'm going to tell you, I love you three times. We would all look at that passage and couldn't have imagined that there could have been anything better than that. But Jesus took it way better than that. 
Jesus took Peter to the point where he just says, I want you to know I believe in you so much. I believe in you even though you failed three times. Not only do I forgive you, not only do I love you, but I am restoring your destiny that I've called you to. What kind of amazing Savior is that? So why don't you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. You already did as we read it. So that will help explain it. And we're going to wrap this up really quick. 1 Peter chapter 1, Paul says that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Look at that. Qualified. The boldness to say I'm an apostle. This is a restored man. He says, according to the foreknowledge of God. In other words, he's saying this. I am who I am because God knew me before I knew myself. According to the foreknowledge of God, I have come to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, you cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ unless Jesus has come to you and says, I want you. We love him because he first loved us. The foreknowledge of God called you. And the foreknowledge of God knew every failure that you would participate in when he called you. So it's not like he called you in 1965 to be a follower of his and didn't know that in 1973 that you were going to do something really bad. The foreknowledge of God called you and the foreknowledge of God knew everything about our lives from the beginning to the end. And yet, how amazing is it that he still called us? You were called according to the foreknowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the, of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ. Look what this man says. Do you remember how many times we said he... He thought he could do it on his own. He thought he could do it with his own ego and with his own pride and that he could be God's counselor and that kind of thing. But he just says here, you know, I'm an apostle because of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. What does sanctifying mean? It means God's setting me apart to be the man he's called me to be. God's setting you apart to be the woman that God has called you to be. And he says it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that the Apostle Peter had to learn that the only way he could be who God called him to be was by the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. It's not about how able we are. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I, God set me apart. He sanctified me to obey Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit helps me to obey Jesus. And look what he says and be sprinkled with his blood. He was still aware of the fact that he's being cleaned by the Lord every step of the way. Can I ask you today, did you come to the house of the Lord with guilt and condemnation and shame, or did you come with the understanding that you've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ? And if you didn't come with that mindset, believe me, how many times have I gone over, I got saved, raised in a pastor's home, I can't tell you the number of times I went to church under a sense of condemnation and just feeling like, man, I don't even know if I can worship the Lord today. And that's though why we come together every time and we eat the bread and we drink the cup and we say to ourselves, I am here by the foreknowledge of God and I am being set apart by the Holy Spirit so that I can, 
disobey Jesus. And I might have disobeyed him this week, but I know the path that I'm on. The Holy Spirit's going to bring me to the place where I will obey Jesus. And then you drank the cup and you just said to yourself, I'm restored because I'm sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. In verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love the fact that he just says there, look, we've been born again. Peter could remember that he was born a natural man. But he says, no, but because Christ rose from the dead, because I have met Jesus, I have a living hope. I have a living hope. When he ran to the tomb, he didn't have a living hope. Not that he knew of. He expected to find the dead body of Jesus. But then he met the risen Jesus, and he says, no, no, I have a living hope. If I, 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 I so I'm going to pray it. I can't do it. I can pray it over you. Just pray in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of God would come upon your heart today and that he would fill you with a living hope. Living, living hope. I speak living hope over you. Speak living hope because sin has tried to bring death upon your heart, death upon your your soul, to speak death to your body. And I'm just speaking to you today. If you're here today, it's by the foreknowledge of God. And I speak the hope of the Lord to come and infuse your heart today because Jesus lives, you live. And he says, we will obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. You know, Peter's just saying this, saying to you, because you have a living hope, man, you have an imperishable, undefiled reward in heaven. If you're doing something today, and he's speaking to believers that were being terribly persecuted. Someone told me this week they accidentally wore a Cornerstone T-shirt in the grocery store on the day that the newspaper article came out. And he said he was treated so badly and confronted. You know, and so, but that's nothing compared to what these people were facing. And the truth of the matter is, is that Peter is speaking to a bunch of people that were being persecuted, and he says, you want to know something? It's worth living for the Lord because your reward in heaven is undefiled. It's imperishable. No matter what price you're paying right now to live according to what you believe, the Lord is just saying, Peter, Peter's just saying this. He's giving us a glimpse into his heart so that you and I can survive, and he's just letting us know nothing is going to diminish, disqualify, tarnish, defile our reward. I love the fact that Peter, that the, Peter's, I don't think Peter was a worse man than the other disciples, even though we have some stories about him. I just believe that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit inspiring the writings of the gospel, wanted us to know what it's like to be a follower of Christ, what the process feels like, how many times you can do something that you really regret, and yet you just say, 
but I, I've been marked and called, and I'm different. And the Holy Spirit's setting me apart, and I love the scripture that says, he who began a good work in me is going to finish it. Right? He who began a good work in me is going to finish it. Let's all stand up. Father, I just, I just thank you, Lord, for the beautiful example of Peter and his heart for you. Lord, may we, by the hot power of the Holy Spirit, live for Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to say to you today, just receive the Spirit of God. Just do that. Just speak or open your heart. The Lord says in the Psalms, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I believe he's talking about the Holy Spirit there. Open your heart right now to the Holy Spirit. And you say, oh, Jim, I'm not worthy. I'm telling you, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you're sprinkled with the blood and sanctified and set apart so that you might obey him. Receive the Holy Spirit today. Before we leave, coming here doesn't have the power to change your heart, doesn't have the power to remove your sins. Only Jesus can remove your sins. Only Jesus can cleanse you. Only Jesus loves you and knows everything about you and welcomes you and invites you to come to him. Confess that you have sinned against him, that you come to him as a sinner, like we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And just receive Jesus Christ in your heart today. If you want to be saved today, if I'm not asking you if you've ever been baptized or a member of a church or raised to be a Christian, or I'm not asking if you don't know anything about that. I'm just saying, today, do you know Jesus Christ living in your heart? If you say to me, Pastor Jim, I want to receive him today. I want to, I just want to lead you to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to do two things. If you want to be included in a closing prayer and just saying, today I want to be saved and know that I'm right with the Lord, I want you just to lift up your hand saying, Pastor Jim, I'm included in that prayer. And then if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come here and stand in the front. You don't have to say anything or do anything. But Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So I'll ask, do you know Jesus? If you don't know, would you lift up your hand today saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved today. I want to receive Jesus in my heart. He loves you. God, I thank you for this just beautiful gathering. Thank you for worship today. Thank you for communion. Thank you for the love of the saints. And I just pray, Lord God, that your blessing would rest upon each one of these households. I pray, Lord God, the joy of the Lord and the peace of God would be their portion. I pray, Father, bless the roof that's over their head, the vehicle that they drive. Bless the things that are in their care, Father God. Bless their descendants, Father. Bless their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Oh, Father, I pray that they be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I pray that the boldness of Pentecost would fall upon their hearts. And I thank you and bless you, Lord, for this gathering. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There'll be folks here in the front if you need prayer for anything. We want to pray with you today. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. And um, let us share your burden if you got one. Just lay it here at the altar. The prayer of agreement, God answers that. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. 
This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.